Thank you for joining us on the Hope Church LV podcast. We're excited you came across this message. The sermon you are about to listen to is from our verse-by-verse study through the Gospel of Mark. If you're joining us for the first time, I want to be the first to say, welcome to Hope Church. Go ahead and open up the Hope Church LV app or visit hopechurchlv.com and click connect with us to fill out a short digital connection card. If you haven't done so already, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast to help spread hope to the world. Once again, thanks for joining us today. Hope Church, good morning. Man, it's good to see y'all. How y'all doing? I got a question to ask you. Ever um, miss something that was right before your eyes? <laughs> it was right there and you just couldn't seem to locate it. And to add insult to injury, when someone even helps to point it out to you, you still can't see it. Uh, it's as if this object is hiding in what they call plain sight. In fact, there's an art to this called steganography. It's the technique of hiding something in plain sight. Well, if that's true, then my wife is the greatest technographer of all time. <laughs> my wife has a, has a gift of hiding something that I just can't see. Listen, my wife has a spiritual power of shopping. <laughs> and she'll buy something and use her power to rearrange it in the closet in such a way that when I walk in, I don't even notice the tags hanging off the clothes. Girl got skills. But it is possible. And matter of fact, she's not here, so y'all don't keep it between you and I. <laughs> but it is possible, whether you believe it or not, to miss something that is right before your eyes. Just not something, but also someone. There is one who has been standing before your face every day of your life, trying to get our attention. And even when the preacher tries his best to point him out to you, Sadly, some of us still miss him. And that's the person of Jesus Christ. You know one of the saddest things about life? You can be around Jesus and still miss him. Ricky, what do you mean? (laughs) I go to church. I I sing some songs. I even pray to Christ a couple times. Like, What do you mean it's, it's possible to be around him and still miss him. It's just true. And if Christ is vital to our lives, hear me, you and I cannot afford to miss him. If he is crucial to who we are, if he is crucial to life itself, you and I can afford to miss him. Now, I'm going to be very honest here. This is personal for me. I grew up in what they call the Christian culture. I went to church every Sunday. All the Bible studies and the youth camps and the college ministries, hear me, we we are called to do these things. But one day someone asked me a question that rocked me to my core. They said, Ricky, in all of your church attendance, who is Jesus? And I began to reflect. All of my energy and time spent being around the church, I never got a chance to know who Christ was. Hear me, you can be around Jesus and all the Christianese things, but you can still miss him. This morning in our book of Mark, chapter 3, 
Mark wants to try his best to reveal to you and I who Christ is. In Mark chapter 3, he wants to show us three important things this morning. First, he wants to show us the crowd, those around Jesus. Second, he wants to show us the power that Christ has to heal. And lastly, he wants to show us Christ's authority. Now, hear me. The reason Mark wants to show us all these three things is because he wants to show us exactly who Christ is. All right? So turn to Mark chapter 3, verse 7. And as you turn there, let me set the scene for you. The gospel of Mark is written by Mark, the author. Mark, from verse 1, has been trying to do one simple thing. Prove to you and I who Christ is. In fact, every verse he is showing you and I that there is no one like Jesus. No one like him. No one preaches like him. No one casts out demons like him. No one heals the sick like him. In fact, last week, Pastor Scott preached on Christ having the power to heal a man who had a withered hand. Hear me, there was no one like Jesus. And over these past three chapters, what's interesting is there's been a lot of people around Jesus. A lot of folks have heard his message. A lot of folks have seen his power to heal. But now the question is, now that you're around him, will you fully see him for who he is? Amen? So now let's turn to, uh, read with me, Mark chapter 3, verses 7 through 12. It says this, Jesus withdrew with his disciples to the sea, and a great crowd followed him from Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem and, and Adumea, and from beyond the Jordan and from around Tyre and Sidon. When the great crowd heard all that he was doing, they came to him, and he told his disciples to have a boat ready for him because of the crowd, lest they crush him, for he had healed many, so that all who had diseases pressed around him to touch him. And whenever the unclean spirits saw him, they fell down before him and cried out, You are the Son of God. And he strictly ordered them not to make him known. Now verse 7 says this, that a great crowd followed Jesus. Now here it is. Christ has just left the synagogue from healing this man with the withered hand. For the Bible teachers were upset that he would heal on the Sabbath, and so he escaped that scenario. But there is one situation or one people group that he cannot escape, and that's the crowd. Listen, Christ is now the most famous person in all the land. His face is on the front page of the Jerusalem Herald. On the, on the Israeli TV screen, his name is flashing at the bottom. Jesus is the most famous person in all the land. Folks are coming from the north and the south and the east and the west. Well, Ricky, why is that? Because there was no one like Jesus. Hope Church, just in case you forgot, there is no one like Jesus. And they're coming. They're coming from all the land to be around him. Now, Mark gives us a unique perspective of Christ's ministry. In Mark chapter 1, he would say it this way. And this is Christ speaking. And he said to them, let us go unto the other towns, next towns, that I may preach there also. For that is why I came out. And he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. Here it is. No one else was doing this. They're coming because there's no one like him. Now, why does Mark give us these different locations? Seven different locations. Seven different locations. Mark is trying to paint the picture 
that this is no small crowd. This crowd is massive. It's colossal. It's vast. They're all coming to Jesus from every other region. Now, why is that? Well, let me tell you this. If you can heal the sick and if you can raise the dead, a crowd will follow you too. Listen, if I could just lower gas prices, I make it run for mayor in Las Vegas. <laughs> They're all flocking to him. Now, Christ not only draws a massive crowd, but he then he also draws an eclectic crowd. This crowd is what they call diverse. Let me show you. They come from Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem. This is strictly Jewish territories. They then come from Adumea and beyond the Jordan. This is a mixed territory of Jew and Gentile. Matter of fact, anyone having a daughter, Adumea is a good name. Um, keep going. Um, and then Tyre and Sidon. This is strictly Gentile territories. What do you notice about these territories? These are people that should not be together. These are people that should not rub shoulders. And yet because they all have the same need, they find themselves in the same position. They all need a Savior. Well, this morning, Hope Church, I'm looking at a crowd who should not sit together, who should not be together. For we have had some history of animosity and hatred towards each other. But yet because we all have the same issue, we need a Savior, all of us now are together. This is why Jesus is the Son of God. Is this not the gospel? That Christ would leave heaven, come down to earth to draw enemies, to draw enemies now all together in him. This is a beautiful picture of the gospel message. You sit beside those who you should not, all because Christ gave his life for you. Let me tell you, Hope Church, this is a beautiful picture of the gospel message. But Mark has an interesting relationship with the crowd. Though they follow him, Mark shows us something else that we happen to miss. Though he mentions the crowd 40 times in his gospel, they follow Christ, he never mentions them actually repenting of their sins. They never become disciples. The crowd followed Jesus for his miracles, but not his message. When you see the crowd in Scripture, they show us two things. First, they show us opportunity. This is the opportunity for them to see Jesus face to face. God in the flesh came down to them to preach to their souls. And he can also heal them from their diseases. Hear me. Someone may be in here tonight or this morning and you may not know Christ. Hear me, this is your opportunity. Christ is coming directly straight to you for he wants to offer you salvation for he can heal all things in your life. But they also provide an obstacle. Yeah, they follow Jesus, but they wanted him for physical help, not spiritual healing. The crowd understood cost, but not value. See, there was no one in the land who could heal them from their infirmities. This was something special. So they understood that there was a high price of walking miles to get to Jesus. They understood Scott Price, but they did not understand the value of having Jesus Christ right there beside them. Let me tell you this way. 
Jesus meeting our needs is a high price. But saving our soul is of greater value. I don't think y'all got that. Jesus meeting your needs, that is a high price. You need that. But him saving your soul is of greater value. Christ would say, what profits a man to gain the whole world, but to lose his what? What profits a man to gain the whole world, but to lose his soul? Interesting here. So now I'm left to ask the question. Who sits in the seats this morning? Is it the faithful crowd, faithful followers or the convenient crowd? Who sits in our seats this morning? In fact, let me give you some more characteristics of this crowd just to help you. Hear me, because my desire is not to castigate, but to help us ask the Holy Spirit. Is if there are areas in our life that we are not following you rightly, God, come show us those things. Let me tell you some things about the crowd. Hear me. You might be a part of the crowd if you request more from Jesus than worship him. Okay. Now it's not all right. Yeah, okay. All right. If I look at your prayer list and it's Jesus, give me, give me, give me, give me. And not Jesus, I worship you, I worship you, I worship you, I worship you. You might be a part of the crowd. Next, when your prayers go unanswered, your pursuit of Jesus decreases. This blows my mind, even for me. God has answered a million times of my prayers, and yet I only focus on the one no. And when God says no or wait, do you stop coming to church? Do you stop reading your Bible? God, I'll follow you as long as you check off my Christian checklist. I know this is hard to hear, but some messages you got to let it sit. And the last one is this. Your satisfaction with Jesus is minimal. God, I love you as long as you pay my bills and meet my needs and give me what I want. God, as long as you do that, I won't miss church service. But the one time you don't come through, I'm done. Hear me. It is possible to be a Christian and yet treat Christ as a part of the crowd. So now I have to ask this question. Why are we following Jesus? Pastor Scott said it best, and I I 100% agree with it. Our church is not here to entertain you. We are not here to sing and dance for you. We are here to show you who Christ is, help you grow in your walk to share in his mission. So if you want a church that may tickle your ears and not tell you the truth, Hope Church may not be the best place for you. I'm not trying to be rude, but God gave his life, not for my opinion, but because he knows the truth. I got one clap. I'm glad somebody got that. Amen. (laughs) The crowd, the crowd, the crowd, they followed Christ for his miracles, but not his message. Now, um, anyone can think back to your first car? Anybody? Anybody first car? My first car was a 1989 Honda Prelude. Ooh, I call that thing the candy-coated raindrop. 
Listen, it was red at the bottom, but then the paint started to fade, so it got pink towards the top. Um, but I love that car, man. I, listen, I, I had rolled down windows with electric sunroof, so I'd be like, what's going on, player? How you doing? Give me a little second. Here we go. A little tricep. Give me a second. But I love that car, man. I got it for Christmas in my senior year in high school. So the first thing you do when you, you, know, when you get a new car is you put some speakers into it. You got to do that, right? So I get the car, put my two 12s in the back, hop in. I'm just beating down the block. I'm beating down the block, right? So then I'm at a stoplight, and then I hear a weird noise. I got my new whip. Now I got a flat tire. Come on, Lord. Come on. So, so, so naturally, I, you know, I park the car, hop out the car, I pop the trunk and pull out my spare tire. Well, naturally, you put the spare tire on, then I drive to a tire shop, they fix my original tire, they put my original tire back on, and naturally, what do you do with the spare tire? You put it back in the trunk. You know what's funny? We often treat Jesus like a spare tire. Or when you find yourself in a jam, you need some help. You'll pop the trunk of your life and pull out Jesus. And then you'll say, God, this is what I need. So you find yourself twisting God's arm, twisting him just so he can give you what you want. And Jesus Christ being so gracious, even when he gives us what we want, what do we do then? We pop the trunk of our lives and put him back in the trunk. Let me tell you something. Christ is not your spare tire. Christ is not your genie in a bottle. Christ is not your cosmic vending machine. He is the Lord. And the crowd shows you and I one thing. You can be around King Jesus and still miss him. So next, we've seen the crowd, but next we shall see Christ's power to heal. Christ's power to heal. Verse 10 says this way, for he had healed many so that all who had diseases pressed around him to touch him. So now this massive crowd is coming north, east, south, and west. They're coming to him. So much so that in verse 9 he says, hey, 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 disciples, man, get me a boat because these folks are about to crush me. Like, give, give me some relief. And, and it says in verse 10 that he healed many. Mark is showing you and I. That Christ Jesus, the reason he's the son of God is because he has the power to heal all things. Let me tell you this right now. Just in case you're wondering, can, can Christ heal my life? Yes, he can. They're coming to him. Now, this is what blows my mind about Jesus. Christ knows the heart of this crowd. In fact, John 2 says it this way. Now, when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, many believed in his name when they saw the signs that he was doing. But Jesus, on his part, did not entrust himself to them. Why? Because he knew all people and needed no one to bear witness about man. For he himself knew what was in man. Christ knows the heart of the crowd. And guess what he does? He still heals them. Do you not see Jesus? The heart of Jesus to still meet the needs of people who don't care about him. Do you see him? In all of your sin, he still chose to leave heaven, come to earth for you, even though he knew at the first sign of trouble you would run from him. This is the heart 
of Jesus. That Christ would give his life for people who when the robe got rough, they would turn their back on him. This is the beauty of the gospel and this is the God that we serve. That he would give his life for people who do not deserve it. Mark is showing us in and out the beauty of the gospel in this passage. He keeps going here. What breaks my heart about this crowd was um, they were desperate. They were as desperate as human beings can be. They were desperate. Matter of fact, let me show you how the odds were stacked up against this crowd. I'll show you three ways they were desperate. First of all, back then there was no modern medicine. If you had a disease, there was no urgent care. There was no St. Rose. If you had a disease, that was it for you. Not only that, it was believed that if you had a disease, God had personally cursed you. And to make matters worse, you couldn't even go to church to make amends for your sins. So now I have a disease. I did nothing to get this disease on my own. There's no help for me. And now you're telling me, Pastor Ricky, that God himself cursed me, and now I can't even go to church to ask somebody to pray for me. But do you not see in the text that though they could not come to God, guess what? God came to them. Jesus Christ met them on the banks of the sea. This is a beautiful picture of the gospel. You and I all have a disease called sin. And that sin separated us from God. But God loved us so much that he gave his son to come down from heaven now to earth to heal those who could not get to him. This is a beautiful picture of the gospel message. I love it now. Christ is now standing in this mob. He's healing right and left, left and right, left and right, right and left. That's a little rhyme right there, left and right, right. He's healing, right? And this crowd is watching him, and they begin to notice something, that the power that comes through Jesus, before it was believed that he had to touch you. But now because they're seeing the power flow through him, they're simply saying, if I can just touch him. In fact, Mark 5 says it this way. She had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment, for she said this, If I can even touch his garment, I will be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her diseases. This is why every week we say, come down to the altar. Because Christ has the power to heal. Some of you need to be reminded, Christ has the power to heal. He is the Son of God. These people were desperate. So let me ask you the question now. Are we desperate for Jesus? Is there something in your life that you've been begging God for for years that you will be willing to walk miles for him to heal? Desperation. But I told Pastor Scott a couple weeks ago or uh, last week, what breaks my heart is, The reason why this altar is not as full as it should be is because it's hard to be desperate when you have everything. Okay, y'all don't, oh, okay, y'all didn't hear that? Okay, that's cool. 
I go over this side. It's hard to be desperate <laughs> when you have everything. Let's be honest. We all say, Lord, I need you. Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you with my mouth. But with my prayer life, I'm praying, God, give me more things so that I don't have to actually depend on you. Man, it's quiet on this side. I go over here. We say with our mouth, Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. But with our prayer life, we say, God, give me more things so that I do not have to actually depend on you. This message may be kind of hard to hear, but we need to hear it. Hear me. These diseases were an opportunity for them to come to God. Now, this is what blows my mind with the text. It was believed in the Jewish religion that only God could heal the sick and raise the dead. So you would think in this mob of people, and Christ is doing what? Healing the sick, raising the dead, healing the sick. Someone will go, huh. If only God can heal, and he's healing, hmm. He might be God. You know what's sad? The crowd didn't even know that they were touching God. Better yet, that God was touching them. You know what's also sad? Is that someone in this room does not know Christ. You are standing in his presence. He desires to heal you and save you and forgive you and restore you, but just like the crowd, you don't even see him. Mark shows us that Christ is the son of God because he has a power to do what only God can do, the power to heal. Amen? All right, now this last point, it may be my favorite point of all. We shall see Christ's authority. Verse 10, verse 11 and 12 say it this way. And whenever the unclean spirits saw him, they fell down before him and cried out, You are the Son of God. And he strictly ordered them not to make him no, now up to this point, Christ has been encountering people. But in his encountering with people, he also now encounters demons. Now I want to give you some understanding of what a demon is or kind of the parameters of a demon. Demons refer to the forces of evil in the world as well as the devil himself. Just to give you a framework of what we're talking about. When I say demons, it refers to evil in the world and Satan himself, Okay. So now this, 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 is now, this is now what, what, what kills me in, in the text. It's amazing. Verses 7 through 10, the Pharisees, the crowd, Christ is doing what only, Christ, what only God can do. He's what? He's healing. And they don't see him. But the demons, his arch enemy, the antagonist, his most hated rival, they see him for who he is? If this is a movie, Mark says, pause. Look at the scene. Bible teachers and churchgoers and crowds can't see him for who he is. 
But Satan's helpers who hate him, they can see him for who he is. Is that not ironic? The very ones who should not see him, they see him. The very ones who should see him, they don't see him. Now, here's the part that gets me. The demons, the demons call Christ God more than anyone else in the book of Mark. Three times, three times, three times. Mark chapter 1, Mark chapter 3, and 5. Three times the demons recognize who he is. Now, here's the funny part about it. The Bible teachers and the crowd, they never denied his power to heal. They just denied his position. Y'all don't, y'all don't get, y'all, I'm, I'm going to keep back, y'all. I'm going to keep going, man. This is tough crowd, tough crowd. Here, all right. Listen. It says that they fell down and cried before him. Now, to fall down in the Greek, it, it, it simply means this, an inferior prostrating or bowing in homage to a superior. Oh, y'all don't get that, y'all don't get that. It simply means that when they failed, they recognized that who they were falling to was the God of all gods. It then says that they cried aloud. James 2 says it this way. That you believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe and they shudder. They were scared. Let me tell you something. I'm from the South, okay? I don't say scared. I say scared. Y'all say scared. Say it again. Say scared. They were scared. There you go. Scared. Now, here's a question. Why were they afraid, Ricky? Because they saw the power and authority of Jesus. Oh, they were afraid because they knew the Holy One was now in the room. Hear me. When light of the world approaches darkness, darkness has no choice but to submit to who he is. So why are you afraid? What are you troubled about? For my God has all authority. Even his arch enemies bow down and recognize who he is. This is God. They fall down in reverence to him. Now up to this point, Christ has been pretty much docile. He's, uh, he's been patient with the crowd. He's been gracious to them. But in verse 12... We see something change. In verse 11, the demons recognize his authority. But in verse 12, he shows his authority. Verse 12, he says it this way. He says, and he strictly ordered them not to make him known. This simply means this. To strictly order means expressing strong disapproval. Use of how God's word prevailed over natural and demonic forces. This was a sovereign command to subdue evil. Hear me. This is no... No, this is shut your mouth. The king is here. When God speaks, all of nature and demonic forces, they all shut their mouth. So I say again, Hope Church, why do you feel discouraged? Why should the shadows come? Do you not know that your God has all authority in heaven and on earth and below the earth? Now, the question I had in my head is, Jesus, if you want to be known, why not enjoy the free publicity? Right? 
But two things here. First of all, it was not his time. It was not his time to be known. But then secondly, it was very clear of who he was. Christ wasn't hiding who he was. So, Ricky, why couldn't people see him? Well, I just turned 36 years old. I'm getting old now. I can tell my knees and my back. And one thing I realized is the older, the older I get, I realize that people have a tendency to see what they want to see. Christ was always who he was. You just didn't want to see it. Hope Church, do you see him now? Christ has all authority. True story here. Um, a missionary was trying to reach a village in Madagascar. He began to become a friend with the village chief. But the village witch doctor was afraid because he knew that if the missionary and the chief would become friends, he would lose his influence. And so he told the missionary to challenge him to a spiritual duel of sorts. He said, you see that axe there in the stump? If you could raise that axe head without using your hands, you will win the village. So now the missionary accepted the challenge. True story here. The, 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 the witch doctor then steadied himself, looked at the axe, and simply did a gesture. And believe it or not, the axe head began to float over the stump about 20 seconds. Then it fell to the ground. Missionary simply said, I can't do that. I have no power to do that. But then he remembers something that most of us forget. He said to the wish doctor, though I can't do that, in the name of Jesus, you won't be able to do it again either. The wish doctor now, frustrated, in front, of the, in front of the crowd, he simply began to do a gesture again. So much so that he almost called a hernia. But that axe head never lifted again because even demonic forces, once the name of Christ is invoked, they all have to submit. So I ask you again, do you not know the authority of God? This is the Son of God. He is the King of all kings and the Lord of all lords. He is God. What blows my mind is in Mark chapter 1, God himself testifies that this is my Son. In Mark chapter 3, Satan and his demons testify that this is the Son of God. So why can't we? I'll say it again. If heaven testifies that this is the Son of God and hell testifies that this is the Son of God, do you now testify that this is the Son of God? Do you see him now? The authority of this Jesus. Mark shows us the crowd that it's possible to be around Jesus but miss him. Secondly, Mark shows us that the reason he is God is because he has the power to heal all things. And lastly, 
He has all authority. Let's pray. Father, my prayer today, God, is that we would trust that you are exactly who you say you are. How many times do we read the scriptures proving that you are God and yet we act as if you are not? God, I pray that this word fell on good soil, Father. In Christ's name, amen. So I want to do a couple of things. If you are a Christian, I want you to pray and ask God for forgiveness for oftentimes treating him like the crowd. Like it or not, all of us treat God like a vending machine, including me. All of us have a tendency to treat God as a spare tire. It's as if he's, he's, God gave us Jesus Christ to do our own will. And my prayer today is that you will recognize, God, there's an area in my life where I have been choosing to use you as my cosmic spare tire. But here's here's the great part about it. There's forgiveness for you. The only reason I'm able to preach this message is because there's forgiveness for broken people. And my heart is that we are a church who love God enough that we say, God, whenever I treat you outside of your will, please forgive me. Secondly, that you will come to this altar because God has the power to heal the issues in your life. Last time I checked, all of us have problems. All of us have needs, but what breaks my heart is We're so prideful to admit that, God, I need you. Yeah, I may dress nice and drive a nice car, but behind closed doors, I am broken. Why don't we come to this altar? If I told you that free food was here, why wouldn't you come to fill your stomach? It is here. God is here. So how long will you act as if you don't need him? God did not die just for you to occasionally need him. He gave you his life because you need a savior. God, forgive us for treating your death as optional. Somebody gave his life for you to live. You brought nothing to the table, and still he's giving you more. Why don't you come? And lastly, if you are not a Christian, you have been living as a part of the crowd. Why don't you come to this Jesus? The greatest miracle was not Christ (laughs) shutting the mouth of demons. But the greatest miracle was Christ telling the grave and sin and death, you shut your mouth. God left heaven, came down to earth to put on flesh 
just so you could touch him. And he offers you salvation to forgive you of your sins. So I asked the question, why don't you come? As our pastoral team comes. This is your time. Do not get caught up in my emotion at all. I'm just reminded of all that God has done for me. Do not get caught up in my emotion. But I am simply telling you that there's a God who loves you, who wants to provide for you. Why wouldn't you accept it? So I want you to do two things. If you are a believer, come here. Ask for forgiveness. Ask for your needs to be met because God has the power to heal. And if you are not a Christian, can I introduce you to a God who gave everything just because he loves you? So let's stand. And when you hear the band begin to sing, that is your cue to come. I have one last question to ask you. Do you see him now?